Welcome, everybody, to Current Events with Max and Colborn. My name is Max Cohen. I'll be one of your hosts today. And joining me as my trusty host, as he always does, is the founder of the Museum of Crypto Art, Colborn Bell. Colborn, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. Thank you, Max. How are you? Max. Oh, I, I realized I never asked you. No, it's always implied. Don't, don't worry about it <laughs> yeah. so much. Uh, I'm great. Thanks for asking. Uh, this is the third episode of our mini-series on the foundational texts of crypto art. In the first episode, if you missed it, we talked about the Cypherpunk Manifesto by Eric Hughes, which is a foundational text for crypto. In the next episode, our second, we move forward from the 90s to 2018 to talk about an Art Gnome article called What is Crypto Art, where he kind of defined crypto art as a genre and as a verbiage for the first time. Today, we're moving all the way back. We're going to 1909, the very turn of the 20th century, because unsurprisingly, a lot of the roots of the crypto art movement as an aesthetic and ideological movement are based in modernist uh, movements of this early time period. And there's a lot of parallels we can draw towards a time period like 1909. And now this was a world on the brink of World War I. Things were very scary. Industrialization was in full swing. And it was changing the world entirely, especially in like the countries that were historically relied upon to designate new forms of art, you know, America and Europe specifically. Um, imperialism was cutting the global south into pieces, uh, which would have a traumatic effect for the next hundred years. So there was a lot of just discontent and fear at this period of time. And into the world comes uh, F.T. Marinetti's Futurist Manifesto. Uh, and this manifesto described, it wasn't necessarily an art movement specifically, it was more kind of like an ideological underpinning of this idea of futurism, which was rebelling against basically everything that was happening in the moment. It starts off with this, it's very vocal and exclamation point filled. This is, we must shake at the gates of life, test the bolts and hinges, let's go, look there on the earth, the very first dawn. There's nothing to match the splendor of the sun's red sword slashing for the first time through our millennial gloom. So the Futurist Manifesto would be a crucial underpinning of a lot of the modernist movements to come, especially the art movements, the dadism that was to come, the surrealism that was to come, the cubism that was to come. But for now, I want to root ourselves in futurism because it talks very much about speed, about machinery, about technology, about embracing kind of the fearful march of progress. So there are 11 points of futurism that are laid out by Martinetti, or Marinetti rather, in this manifesto. And I want to get to a couple of them, but I also want to talk in general about how futurism may have been a building block for crypto art. So as a kind of encapsulation from Wikipedia, futurism was a rejection of the past and a celebration of speed, machinery, violence, youth, and industry. So before we go any further and get into like the actual quotes any further, how do you see this kind of ideology or the summarization of this ideology as like a building block of crypto art? How do you see that influence today? Because it seems very palpable from my end. Yeah, I'll say, you know, aren't we all always victims of the zeitgeist? You know, you cannot escape your time and place uh, in history. And, you know, there is a uncontrollable movement forwards. You know, as I think you did very well to put it in the context that you did, we see perhaps a lot of history rhyming currently. And I can understand why these people 
felt awakened just as we feel awakened now because there are numerous uh, perceived outside threats to stability. I think, you know, evolutionary, we long to be stable and we're continuing to, to refuse that stasis as we, you know, continue to drift further away from nature. I think it's really interesting to look at futurism in this moment, because as we speak about almost every time in this podcast, AI is moving at a speed and it's often talked about as moving at a speed that's unprecedented and really unimaginable. And we talk all the time about how aesthetics are going to change very quickly, how the internet's going to be flooded with deep fakes and how the speed of this thing is frightening. And I've talked about my desire if things evolve too quickly and become too scary before I can kind of properly adapt to it, that I might just turn off altogether and move away from technology. But futurism is really interesting because it wants to embrace that chaos, wants to embrace violence. Uh, it says, we affirm that the world's magnificence has been enriched by a new beauty, the beauty of speed. We stand on the last promontory of the centuries. Why should we look back when what we want is to break down the mysterious doors of the impossible? Time and space died yesterday. We already live in the absolute because we've created eternal, omnipresent speed. And when I think about that, when applied to AI artistry, but just AI in general, I mean, it is almost like we have taken speed, we've taken progress, and we've personified it in this one kind of technology. And we're seeing its first kind of expressions in artistry before it kind of seeps out into everything else. I'm curious, you know, so much... Uh, a lot of what the Futurist Manifesto talks about is the destruction of the past. It says, we will destroy the museums, libraries, academies of every kind. We'll fight moralism at every opportunistic or utilitarian cowardice. And a lot of early crypto art strikes me as hostile towards outside influences that are perceived as like outdated, whether that's old art movements, whether it's the traditional art world in general, auction houses, fiat currency. But in the last few years, especially since 2021, I think there's been a greater embrace of the past instead of this like manic dash towards ultra modernity. Um, and even the calls of like AI art is an art have been basically drowned out by people saying, no, forward, forward, forward. I'm, I'm curious what you take away from that dichotomy and why you think maybe we've moved towards more of an acceptance of the past or an internalization of it as opposed to this hostility. Well, because I think secretly we, we long to be mainstream. You know, I, I've... I have, you know, admittedly ulterior motives for why I want NFTs to succeed. And that's because I want crypto to succeed. But crypto is mm -hmm. too abstract, perhaps too threatening to your average person. But, you know, over the past 20 years, people have become accustomed to images and sharing images online and responding in, in friendly ways to that. And if now suddenly there is this token associated with something that is you know, more friendly and, and non-threatening than people, you know, going and saying whatever it is, fuck Wall Street, burn down the banks, you know, as much as like, I believe that I, I recognize that progress needs to <laughs> needs to really meet the populace in the middle. Do you think that if crypto were to undergo more mainstream acceptance, that there would be crypto art that is interested in revolting against that acceptance? Like, could we see a return of that kind of like desire to remain stalwart on the fringes? You know, that's that's a really interesting question that is almost impossible for me to, to make any prediction on. We don't know where we're going. You know, what does fair, equitable, 
even mean when everybody is invited to participate? You know, there's there's centuries. Well, there's a, a whole world of baggage that yeah. that we carry forward that needs to somehow be unwound uh, and healed. And you know, in in every step of the way. The system that we currently have in place, you know, is going to incentivize the individual to care first for themselves uh, before other people. So, well, let me return to that point for a second, like, and ask you another question. Like, if you are to determine or look at crypto art today, what feels like the fringes to you? What feels like the exciting embrace of progress to you in crypto oh, art today? Well, you know, there's there's almost nothing left. Right. Because you, you, crypto artists is such a mm, it's a bit of a lumpy term in my mind. You know, there are pure crypto artists, but then there are digital artists who are using crypto. Mm. Uh, and do they self-identify as crypto artists? I, I don't really know. You know, I always go back to say that crypto artists are the ones that are, you know, the proselytizers, the evangelists for what a new financial architecture could invite to the world. You know, am I saying Bitcoin is perfectly fair and, and the best thing in the world? No. Is Ethereum the same? No. You know, there's inherent bias and advantages in those system. But I do still think that they are better than the incumbent currencies of, of the world. So, you know, if I've learned anything in, in this, it's, it's really that progress doesn't happen exponentially and people, they need to be led. You know, there, there need to be breadcrumbs from them to get to point A and B and oftentimes direct storytelling of why people need to go that way is not exactly the most effective. And it's also hard to pick up on that story in real time. It's a lot easier to go back and affix a narrative to history than it is to discover that narrative in real time or proffer some kind of version of events, you know, of things incomplete. Another point from the manifesto says, we intend to sing the love of danger, the habit of energy and fearlessness. And Again, this just not stinks of AI, but it just, I can't help thinking about AI as like the, again, anthropomorphized entity that contains energy and, and, and depending on your opinion towards it, fearfulness or fearlessness, but it moves forward regardless of our feelings about it. And it's very interesting to sit in this moment and have the world kind of be undecided to this point about the way AI is marching forward and the way AI art is getting so much more complete and vivid. Uh, a buddy just sent me the other day, uh, Adobe's new AI tool that I think is incorporated into Photoshop and the kind mm -hmm. of hyper realistic uh, outputs it's able to come up with. And I'm just, I, I'd like to just on the face, get your attitude on the difficulty of embracing that. And also perhaps the beauty of embracing that. I think inherently, inherently, we have a, a need to explore, right? Or, or at least there is a quality amidst a large number of people that, that needs to find that frontier, right? And you, you look at this time, 1909, and the world as we know it today was largely discovered, right? Yeah. And, and kind of... Flags were planted, staking claims and rights and territories, and we had kind of chopped it up, you know, and as kind of precursor to those wars which sought to 
you know, redivide those boundaries. Uh, but, but largely it had been discovered mm. and, you know, the question is always, where do we go next? Um, so we sit kind of right now at this interesting place in history where, you know, there is a bit of a ego race amongst billionaires to get us into space. Uh, and there is kind of a larger, broader consciousness movement that is driving people deeper inside of themselves to examine feelings, to look at, you know, neurochemistry and, and the patterns inside. So, you know, given this innate idea to explore, uh, none of this is, is stopping. And again, there is at least in the people who wrote this and probably in, you know, the, the explorers of the future, there is an innate aggression. We mm. saw similar things again, when we read this techno optimist manifesto, nothing is ever enough. So mm -hmm. how we begin to kind of deal with and overcome evolutionary biases towards aggression and perhaps towards exploration. If we think those are negative qualities, which I kind of do, we, we need to discover like alternative means to, to deal with those expressions. Well, can, can you talk about that a bit more? Like why it's negative? Like, is this kind of futurism or rampant futurism dangerous? Um, is it like a dangerous precedent for an art movement to adhere itself to, to, you know, jump too boldly into the future and risk being, I guess, alienated from the understandable present? Um, you know, you, you look at point number nine, we will glorify war. And, yeah. you know, there is a, I understand there is a poetic war. There is, um, you know, something about having a, a set of visions and ideals and, and standing up for it. But obviously with the advancement of technology in this day and age, uh, war is so depersonalized and it loses, you know, what could be the, the poetry of war it's very very abstract and um you know i don't i don't necessarily want to get too political right here um well let, let me uh let me let me stop you um and just talk about my attitude towards the future in general um which if you engage with pretty much any religious or spiritual text you know that like existing in the future is dangerous just as existing in the past is dangerous right this is a ideology that wants to pull us forward into the future but the future provokes anxiety and it unmarries us from interpersonality um because none of us exist in the future only ideas can possibly exist in the future and so there is to me a kind of danger in looking too forward ahead and, and sacrificing what's with us right now i mean i don't want to speak for everyone but if the point of so much artistry is to engage with how we're feeling today, even if that's a feeling about the future, to sacrifice that for the sake of pushing forward at every turn and diminishing, I suppose, the present moment by incorporating the present into the past, as opposed to seeing it as its own kind of separate moment, like that feels difficult for our internal selves to justify. That is kind of out there. I understand, even as I'm saying it, but 
you know, when you're looking ahead and you're glorifying all the ways in which humanity violently moves forward, you lose the humanity in the story. You just reduce people down to statistics. You reduce people down to isms like futurism. And you run afoul of, I think, certain ideologies, or I guess you put your weight into certain ideologies that run afoul of us. Like late stage capitalism is a great example of what futurism is boasting about as what's most important to it, right? Just onward growth, conglomeration, progress at all costs. I mean, you said you invoked the techno-optimist manifesto, and that was basically like a deregulation, a pain to deregulation um, and like breaking free of the fetters and leashes that keep us from pushing too far forward too quickly. But there's also a weird uh, antithesis within this because like, yes, a futurist philosophy is both the central node of a late stage like growth focused capitalism, but it's also kind of an anathema to it because capitalism wants you to grow, but not too fast. It wants you to innovate, but not too much because it wants to make sure that everything within it is controllable. And so there's this odd dichotomy between wanting to break free of the chains that are binding you by moving into the future where there can exist no chains because you're outrunning them. And also, you know, being, leashed within the bounds of exploring the future that like the current uh dominant powers want to ensure that you like remain within it's like this desire to move forward but not to it's like punk rock but without you know all the scary piercings does that make sense it brings me back to a book that i read right before i founded the museum which was ontological anarchy which you know carries a lot of the same uh ideas around just invoking these wild spirits to go out and create poetic terrorism. And, you know, this is certainly a nice return to that. I feel those feelings inside of me when I think of crypto art. It's why I got so excited to know that there are people on the fringe all around the world that are working in concert to share and spread and communicate um, through visual nonviolent means, although those, you know, actions and that energy is decidedly pointed. And I think that is what makes great art and where we kind of fall into, um, you know, when it gets captured by the mainstream, just say, perhaps Rafik Anadol's Unsupervised, which was critiqued for being, you know, a giant lava lamp. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it, shout out Jerry Saltz. Shout, shout out Jerry Saltz. We know you're listening, Jerry. Um, Jerry, come on the podcast. <laughs> it's uh, it's just true because you know the institution cannot move the people too fast. So it it presents art as soma instead of art as disruption. Because if it, it truly, you know, that's our goal as the new institution, and perhaps we will eventually you know, arrive to the place where we are dependent and beholden on, you know, large benefactors or donors to kind of drive and direct the decision-making around what's happening uh, because largely there is no agency, I think, of people in these institutions. It's endless bureaucracy mm. that serves at the foot of capital. Which, again, wants to preserve itself and not necessarily rush itself forward because rushing forward inherently into the unknown is dangerous and it threatens both the individual and the institution that is engaging with that unknown. It's invoking unknown and unknowable forces. So 
again, like there's this strange dichotomy within the capitalist futurism where you want to push forward, but you want to do so like one baby step at a time to ensure that like the institution and the populace, et cetera, have enough time to adjust to that future. Mm. I want to go back to a quote from the manifesto, which says, let's break out of the horrible shell of wisdom and throw ourselves like pride ripened fruit into the wide contorted mouth of the wind. Let's give ourselves utterly to the unknown, not in desperation, but only to replenish the deep wells of the absurd. Mm. Now, besides being absolutely brilliant writing, I'm curious in your opinion, does art have a responsibility to explore the unknown? Like is the, greatest art that which awakens us to things that we didn't or weren't already aware of or is it plumbing more deeply into familiar territory i mean i would hope so right i would hope the the patronage of the artist is that so that they can go kind of fearlessly into the future of which very few are prepared to explore um in this day and age that landscape is very very broad right but Michelangelo didn't get to paint the Sistine Chapel uh, because he could, right? It was an opportunity afforded him by people outside of himself. So, you know, the, the, the greater the vision, the greater the response, these things happen in concerts. You, you consistently see people showing up for kind of the grand endeavors even when times are hard, because we want that. We want to believe, take, you know, Sam Spratt's recent uh, journey, for example. This is, this is, you know, this is, it's, it's the monument game. It's monumental. But, you know, getting there and, and crafting that vision, these things, these things take time for sure. And it, it brings about another interesting question, which I think about often, you know, the, to study art history is to, understand that art history or artists are never satisfied with themselves and there's always a moment and then a reaction to that moment until that reaction becomes a moment in of itself and there's a reaction to that um the metaphysical art that like giorgio de chirico was instrumental in popularizing like that was invoked and responded to by surrealism and romantic poetry was invoked and then responded to by transcendental poetry right there's always this endless march of one movement to another um, as soon as that first movement becomes or is seen as being outdated. And I think a lot about what comes after crypto art, right? Can we launch ourselves into the future mentally enough to predict any of the qualities that the reactionary post crypto art movement will have? Because to me, it's incredibly difficult. Crypto art is so engaged with the cutting edge and it's so vast in what it consumes it consumes everything ahead of it and kind of incorporates that with into crypto art like you see that with ai you know to return to ai right ai was pioneered by people like um quasimondo and helena sarin and um videodrome and ba uh, bard jansen and it was like kind of on the fringes um I mean, we can talk about people all day zaza with the r earth slash r earth porn series and then it kind of was just consumed into crypto art, right? There's not a separate AI art movement that is responding to crypto art. Crypto art just consumes it. And so it, to me, it feels like anytime there's some kind of new reaction, it runs the risk or I guess has the um, privilege of being just internalized back into crypto art, which seems to be unstoppable and kind of without end. So I'm curious, like, do you see something coming after crypto art? Do you see crypto art as 
having like do you see other movements being able to erupt out from crypto art and separate themselves or is crypto art's natural state to continue consuming newness and incorporate it within itself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i generally lean towards the second right there's there's two versions of this there is crypto art as the narrow um self-appointed title for an artist to take right that they are looking at themes, symbols, ideas within the evolving crypto landscape. Uh, and they're reflecting that back to the populace. Or there is kind of the broader version that we talked about that Art Gnome defines, which is the global participation of the digital art market. Mm. Uh, and in, in that way, just as the internet consumed everything, so does crypto art become the digital art market so does it become the largest globally viable expression of ownable culture as cryptocurrency marches so does crypto art march so that under like the umbrella of capitalism what does it <laughs> what does it become well if crypto becomes the currency then crypto art becomes just the art um, it's just, it's such a fundamentally strange thing to think about, right? You know, the way we lump everything outside of crypto art into this one overhang of the traditional art world, which is probably not fair to the traditional art world, but we, and we use it kind of as a pejorative, I think a lot of the time. And I'm just always wondering what is going to come along next and look at crypto art as the same kind of thing, this like broad, slow moving conservative movement that is refuses to be drawn towards the cutting edge like yeah you know when i say the word art what do you immediately think of me yeah um if we're being truthful the first image is michelangelo like a painting or a sculpture Uh, i guess a sculpture interesting yeah i think i think most people generally lean towards painting Mm -hmm. um and you know painting is is it's on cave walls right there's cave paintings Mm -hmm. so and cave sculptures (laughs) and the infamous cave sculptures you know but but for sure as soon as we invented tools we were we were making artifacts that that frankly had no that weren't tools that weren't useful other than to to mark and remember uh so you know this is really just marking and remembering uh our transhumanist narrative into and away from physical life into digital life. Do you think that when we look back on crypto art in however many years, people will separate it into epochs and movements with like their own individual names, their own individual like star stalwart figures, or will it all be contained within, you know, the broad narrative of crypto art? Well, you know, I, kind of like- I think I think instead of moving uh, one by one, we have narratives that are moving simultaneously. Hmm. Right. Like what? Uh, just, you know, what we could say anything. We could say, you know, trash art was a movement within crypto art. AI art is a movement within crypto art. Um, generative art is a movement that predates crypto art, but, but comes through crypto art. So, you know, relevance in this day and age, when capitalism has won, is, is market value. And, and that's kind of a sad thing, but market value, as we saw, dictates where the press's attention is focused. Interesting.
And that's how broad narratives get carried and expressed. Now, all of this is, is segmenting and fractionalizing and moving you know, away from the radio, away from TV screens, into our phones, into our computers. Um, so you know, this segmenting and fractionalization is, is uh, this is a new landscape. We haven't participated as humans in this type of information dissemination really ever. And I suppose that what I might be doing I'm certainly guilty of this elsewhere, is considering crypto art at all as something that exists anywhere near the central spectrum of human experience and not as a 99th percentile strange fringe avant-garde thing to begin with based on all the technologies within it. Like if you think about where the centrist ideologies are, where the centrist comfort is, then things like blockchain, AI, those are all within the scope of 99th to 100 percentile like fringe so i'm having this debate internally about like whether crypto art can be more fringe whether it can possibly like explode further into the future and perhaps that's discounting the fact that this is already so deeply far in the future compared to where the center is that any kind of further conversation about crypto arts you know greater responsibility to move in the future or it's anti-progressive in moments tendencies is moot because it's already just moving around within the spectrum of 99th to 100th percentile, you know, progress and adherence to the future. Does that make sense? Uh, I mean, I, we've talked about, it does make sense. Uh, and we've talked about this in the past, kind of the idea of the reality threshold, right? In 2017, sure, NFTs were real, but in, until it passes the reality threshold, meaning kind of mainstream consciousness you know, that happened in 2021, Sure. you know, and you go and probably a billion people in the world now know what an NFT is, something that was totally make-believe abstract. You know, we were playing with the language for a while and, and this was the term and it spread like wildfire and it crossed that threshold. So now everybody knows what it is. Probably most people have a negative opinion of it, but it's not going away. And this is really crypto's hack in how it leaks into the global consciousness and continues an inevitable march forward to the point where, you know, BlackRock is building an ETF around Bitcoin so that everybody can very easily access, you know, this as a traditional investment. Fascinating and also kind of comforting to think about crypto art as being both on the fringe and also kind of like enticing others to come along with it. It is itself demystifying the future. Um, I think this was a great conversation about futurism. Um, I should note before we leave that the Futurist Manifesto itself, before you go spouting it off to all your friends and family, it's deeply misogynistic and also very pro-war. And that's not awesome. And so there should at least be a discussion, and perhaps we've been negligent in not having a greater discussion about how it wants to both be on the future fringe of progress and also leave behind a lot of people with it. But now you know, and I implore you to read the manifesto for yourself and maybe do a bit more research and then give us critiques about what we didn't spend enough time on. Yeah. Um, any last I, thoughts? Yeah. I am going to read this quote. Uh, I'm going to read Museums, Cemeteries, identical surely in the sinister promiscuity of so many bodies unknown to one another. Museums, public dormitories, dormitories where one lies forever beside hated or unknown beings. 
museums, absurd abattoirs of painters and sculptors ferociously slaughtering each other with color blows and line blows the length of the fought over walls. It's very powerful writing and I think probably a great place to leave off. I really enjoyed this conversation, Coborn. Um, the further we get into these texts, the more you kind of see how they influence a lot of not only crypto art, but also what we do at the museum. So thanks for having this conversation with me. Any last words or should we get out of here? No, it always rhymes. You know, it always rhymes. It always rhymes. Yeah, we cannot break free. I think about this a lot. Like there's only so many ways that humans can act in any given system. The fact that you would eventually have people acting the same way is not surprising. Like we only have like six options in any given circumstance, which I will not hypothesize or list here. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation about the Futurist Manifesto by F.T. Marinetti. This is, the, like we said at the beginning, the third part of our foundational text of crypto art miniseries. We implore you to listen to the first two parts if you enjoyed this one and you haven't yet. Uh, if you do uh, listen and you like what you heard, you like what you hear today, please give us a subscribe or a follow or a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're getting these podcasts. If you want more written conversation of the same sort, please give our Substack a follow at sub, uh, museumofcrypto.substack.com. We're back here twice a week. We're writing stuff every week. We love to ply you with thought that is, yeah, a little masturbatory, but I think can be pretty good for you. <laughs> this has been another episode of Current Events with Max and Colborn, and we are out of here. So thank you all very much, and we'll see you all real soon. Bye, y'all. This has been another episode of Current Events with Max and Coborn. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Coborn, as always, for being my co-host. Our intro music was composed by Julian Brangold, so a big thank you to him. And once again, thank you to all of you for being with us. We'll be back soon with another episode of Current Events. So long. <laughs>